Tony, let me jump you in first, Tony. Um, again, you're our resident Spaniard, so I'm going to use you as my bridge. But what's your take on it as well? Um, well on, on, okay, so let, let's sort I'll break it down. So, because I don't, uh, right, so as in, in the UK's, in the, in the the, UK's the Berlin, response to Black Lives Matter so far, the publics, the governments, or the far right? Because they're, they're um, let's start I mean, with no. Let's let's leave the government till the end because the government gov, government's a special. I've got a safe. I've got a spot for them. Yeah, you got to save. So, them. in terms of the, um, the the public, what's your what's your take on? I think I back Princess up there with what she said. I think most people, as long as it's not affecting them, think that everything's all right for people they don't know. Not necessarily me, but. I know people that think, well, it's not that bad, you know, because London, I, I'm not, I'm not racist. I treat, they say they're not racist, but they don't do anything about trying to oppress other people. Not oppress, that's the wrong word. Trying to correct people that are racist or letting them know at least that it's not okay. Right? So, so that's what happens a lot. And I, I've, I've seen that. I've had chats with people and someone, well, I can't say that. I can't say that to them because they'll, they'll get upset and they won't speak to me. I go, well, good then they can fuck off, can't they? Do you know what I mean? So that some, this is the problem is that there's this, there's this middle-class little level of people who say they're not racist, and they probably aren't. They wouldn't treat anyone differently who they met face-to-face. But they will know racists and take no action against them. Right? Because they're either family members or they're someone's friend of a friend and they don't want to fall out with someone else. And there's this little layer that if it stood up, everything would change. I'm not necessarily talking about black people. I'm talking this is probably white people. And if they stood up, then everything would be suddenly, boom. Sorry, I'm not trying to do a Nazi salute there. Um, if they just stood up, <laughs> then everything would change pretty much instantly. Right? But they don't. And they always stay, they always just want to keep it nice and level. You know, don't, I don't want to upset anyone. But actually, we need to start upsetting people. And we need to start falling out with people. If we want the world to be a better place. And that's, that's what we need to do. We need to make it a better place. And not necessarily for me. I try and live my life the best I can be with, with everyone, right? And I'm not saying I get it right all the time, but, but I try to. And I want the, a, a better world for my children, for, for your children, if you have children, um, for everyone's children, so that they grow up and there's no fear, there's no automatic discrimination, there's no, oh, is that your surname or... Oh, I didn't think you'd be like that. Romish Ranganathan, his dad changed his name to to James. So it's Romish James Ranganathan, because if you turned up to an interview, they said, James, oh, but James, isn't that a white name? Like, like, like they, they'd question it. He'd get more job interviews because they thought he was English, although his surname's Ranganathan. Um, so I, I worry about that's the general public. There are people trying who are going to the marches and 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 they're trying to do it I try and correct people I've told you about what I do Curtis at work I'm the most multi I'm the most multi-ethnic person you'll ever meet I've got relatives in in West Africa relatives in Samoa relatives everywhere it's not necessarily true but I love fucking with people um, so I, I think <laughs> so I, I think we need to we need to like we need to call people out and that's what's not happening people are trying to do most lots of people are trying to do the right thing lots of people are doing the right thing but not getting anyone else upset and that's the issue so that's that layer that needs to sort itself out and then the world will start changing so that's where I am sorry 
I've rambled. That's all right. I've got a few. I've got rid of a few people on Facebook doing that. It's quite. It can be fun actually challenging people on their stupidity. Steph, thank you for waiting. How, how's what's your? How do you feel about where the movement is now and and the response to it? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Um, I think Tony made a really good point about that layer and that those people who aren't standing up. And I think for a lot of people, for me, race has been a such a strange thing to grow up with anyway like growing up in Epsom being the only black person throughout my primary school throughout my secondary school um not having black friends till I was 18 princess and my college friends are my first black friends and so just race in general has always been quite a big thing for me and I think a lot of people like Princess said again, they don't care. And I think a lot of people as well, like I know I've got like my siblings who are stepping up and speaking about it. And I think people are really forgetting that certain mem- certain ones of their friends, certain members of their family are black. So now people have got a platform to actually talk about our feelings. And instead of us now having to always hide it or brush it away, we've got an open space, an open platform, an open stage for us to talk about the racism we faced over over the years and the things we've seen. And I think, like I saw a thing about saying racism is trauma and I feel it has been very traumatic and you're reliving a lot of stuff as well that, and remembering a lot of stuff and racist situations you've been in or heard of or been around and thinking how much you suppressed it. So I hope loads of little conversations are going mm. on now where people are going, oh, we didn't make you feel like that, do we? And people are like, yeah, you did actually. And it's like, oh. And I think as a country, we've just Mm -hmm. shown ourselves up. We've shown ourselves up with all the All Lives Matter stuff. We've shown ourselves up with um, the protests. Because some of those videos were horrific to just look at that Mm. utter violence and just hideousness and I remember on that day when it was happening in London Mm. I was in a park with my friend and I was walking back to my car and the park was full of white people and as I was walking out of the park I was thinking because it was was going on right then and then in Twitter it was starting to people starting to share the post and I was thinking I'm really nervous right now like if anyone said anything to me Mm. I don't like if anyone because it was happening right now in London all these posts were getting shared and I just remember feeling as I was walking to my car, it was only like a three minute walk, but walking past so many white people. I've, I've grown up around white people my whole life. But in that particular moment, seeing what was going on mm-hmm. in London at uh-huh. that very same time, I just remember feeling like, I'm really nervous. I feel really uneasy right now. And like anyone, if anyone said anything to me, like, black man, yeah, or something like that, that I was like, if I get into a fight, if someone starts on me right now, no one is going to do nothing. And, it was rare, and I haven't felt like that for a very, very long. And obviously, I'm 32 years old. I'm not. These were kids, and a few like not like teenagers and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But I remember that three minute walk, holding my phone in my hand, thinking, "Fuck, I feel so nervous right now." Because that day in particular, just yeah. all the different clips of just uh-huh. violence and aggression and hatred was disgusting mm. and then for me um well i yeah so 
yeah, no, if you can. just looking into it deeper, when you really look at, because my I've put a lot of my energy now into the education system. So when you look at that, it's like, my mm. good God, there's so much to unpack there. It's insane. And yeah, I think we've just shown ourselves up for, yeah, and we've shown as much as we try and hide and say that, oh, England mm. isn't that bad. We've shown it all. We've shown our history right now in our mm. presence with these protests. With this All Lives Matter. We've shown what Britain is like and where we've come from with that respect because, mm. yeah, that is England. But we like to say, oh, we're not, we're not mm. shooting people. Okay, but every time you say... <laughs> a little tiny thing that's a little stab and if I'm getting five stabs a day yeah. for 30 years like do you know what I mean it doesn't matter and it's even the smallest thing of like yeah. oh you're cool but other black people that's a stab you have to keep hold of like oh you're being really aggressive that's a stab and that's something we have to keep hold of mm. and we just carry with us um, so yeah I think as a country we've shown ourselves up and I think as a community, we've got, we, mm. as a black community, it's time to speak out about all those injustices because we're not going to get heard as well again, possibly. This time now to do all the talking, because mm. in four months' time, people might be like, shut the F up. Mm, and then that's it. Yeah. This platform, this time is over. But it's like literally the time I've is. I've got a feeling as long, as long as it keeps going in the States, um, I don't think that, I think the tide will turn over here. Mm. I, I think the problem we have in the UK at the moment is there are too many, there's people making money out of the racist movement. There's people getting um, popularity out of it. And we saw that, what I saw, stuff like this I saw happening over a period of time. So this week, Katie Hopkins was sacked, not sacked, kicked off of Twitter. Now, if you know anything about Katie yeah. Hopkins, yeah. she started a career on a reality show. I think it was um, The Apprentice. And she moved vile. on from there. And yeah, and no matter what she did, and the woman was vile. I mean, she was writing articles in The Sun about how um, immigrants were cockroaches. She was abusing, she was, I think, at one point on a boat that went out in the Mediterranean to stop. Um, to uh-huh. stop uh, immigrants, migrant workers, and people trying to get to Europe. She would appear on chat shows like Good Morning Britain and say stuff like, um, oh, people who name their children after countries are idiots. And even though she had a child called India and all the rest of it. Oh, that fit, that was I remember people in the black community saying... I remember people in the back community saying again and again, the woman's a racist, why is she on TV? Again and again, people calling her out for racism. But there's something about the UK where they seem to enjoy it, like the TV channels, Good Morning Britain, she went, Good Morning Britain, This Morning, um, all the rest of those shows she kept getting, giving jobs on, even after she got sacked from LBC for some of her comments. And it just seems to be, yeah, I, I don't Paul's know which way it's going to go. Okay, we elected the prime minister who openly has written articles abusing his racism. We the great shame of it wasn't just that you had all these guys in central London, but they managed to convince actual veterans to turn up 
Um, they managed to convict, and I know a lot of ex-soldier people, uh, military people, and you know how they managed to get them to turn up when everybody else knew this was going to be a racist boys out in day out. Um, and I'd say, guys, I, I I got really upset when I saw those videos. I cried a little bit because I was like, I can't believe that this is happening in London, in, in all of the cities for this to happen. In, I'd expect it up north. Right, and I know, like, I know not all. I know not all Northerners are racist, yeah, but I wouldn't expect something like that to happen in London on the scale it did. And when the government literally did nothing and said nothing about it, I was just like, "That's where we are." If yeah, anything's going to change, you. it will it have to be. Yeah, but even group chats, we've all cried. Yeah, we've all cried. And that's Mm. the thing what people don't understand because they haven't experienced it. They don't understand how painful it is as a black person to live in a country where you feel this is your home Mm. and to feel you're unwanted, that you are, you don't live here. You're not supposed to live here. Mm. It's horrible. Mm. It's traumatic. And we all feel it. Mm. That's why when people say when, when George Floyd died and everyone's like, why do you care? Some people are like, why do you care when it's in, it's in America? You don't know him. People are crying when celebrities die and they don't know them. But this, is a, this affects us on a mm. greater scale because this is something we all have, have experienced. Maybe someone hasn't died, but nearly all of us has either been arrested or had a family member arrested or have seen another black person and how they've been treated. Um, by the police, yeah. and and that yeah, when they, they did this, the the when the far right and those they all came out there, these neo Nazis came out and did their protest. In their face, you could just see the hatred in their eyes, mm. and they're talking about mm. you're destroying our history. That's why we're here. While they're flipping pissing on all the landmarks, they're pissed. There's pictures of them <laughs> pissing on their things. Like you don't care about your history, and I bet you half of you don't even know who these people mm. are really and just because you take a statue down or whatever does not erase history taking a statue down does not erase history it still happened and when this stuff happens like for me i spoke about about the same like when stephen lawrence passed away 93 i'm seven Mm. years old that's my first identification with being black where especially growing up in an all white Mm. environment all white community Mm area that's my first identification so now so many young mm. black mixed race brown in general children but like in areas like this this is their identification with their blackness and that the police is going to kill them like mm-hmm. it, it, it goes that deep mm. like i've had um family members children having nightmares that police are going to come and take take us away I had other friends children telling mm their dads to paint yourself white before you go out or you're going to die the, and that the general thing the children mm. about this is yeah police kill black people so it's that identification that 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 is what we are seeing now and that is what we are feeling and it's as well hearing everyone else's stories about things we've been through and yeah it is mm. that it affects all of us, all the time. And now we're we're seeing stories from around the world, but we're hearing stories from our best friends. That it's like, oh my God, you went through that. Then you feel the pain for your friend for being upset, but then you feel your pain for your friend as a black person, mm-hmm. you feel the pain for yourself because it hurts. 
So it's a constant circle that's the one, uh, uh, of trauma. That's why I think now slightly, that's why I, the little bit of hope I have inside my soul, right? People reached out to me when this started happening, right? Organizations reached out to me when this started happening. And I hadn't seen anything like that before. And friends, including my good friend Tony there, like sent me a text message, phoned me up. People asked me how I was. <laughs> People asked me how I was. And that hadn't happened before, which is why part of me thinks this is different. But I also think that there are, and not in a conspiracy theorist kind of way, there are people out there hell-bent on stopping any change happening. Yeah, of course. Um, and continuing the trauma. They're, not, they're powerful people. And I, that's what worries me the most. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful people, but just your, your usual, your usual, excuse my French, dickheads as well turning up. Like mm-hmm. um, the guy who leads the BNP goes to that mar- went to that march as well. Yeah. Puts on little shorts and a t-shirt to make himself look like he's one down with the ute of whatever was going on. Um, it worried me. Is them type of people? But they're, they're small. They're small fries. Um, the guy I mentioned, Paul Joseph Watson. He's had the longest campaign when Black Lives Matter first started. He and his YouTube cohort, cohorts were out there putting videos out telling black people why. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter is wrong for you or whatever. I've had to tell friends off for sharing videos. Have you heard of the Hodge twins? No. Okay, you see, this is the thing, right? So if, if you go online, there's the Hodge twins. They're two um, twins. Um, they're, I think they're, they're African-American, but they're very... Um, very light-skinned African-American boys, okay? And... Uh, yeah, and they've got they've had a they've had a YouTube video for ages channel where people ask them for advice, and so they'll be standing the channel, sat next to each other, going, "Yeah, you should do this. We should do that. We should do that." You know, like talking like we're real Americans, like bros. That's it, like your American Jersey bros, yeah. Uh-huh. And they've been putting out the message that Black Lives Matter is wrong as well, and all all these people are connected in the ways that they all do business with each other. They've all got the same type of followers. Uh-huh. and they encourage people to dismiss Black Lives Matter and that's where my concern is because the UK has already inspired other groups in the States by what happened last weekend um, there's videos of groups getting together and harassing and assaulting Black Lives Matter's protesters in the States and again using the statues as an excuse okay so you know I think the whole and like I said I think the press created that and I think the, the far right ran with it um, and that does give me concern, but the very Even fact the of you guys it, and you are passionate about it. In our when it was our protest, mm-hmm. when it was the racist protest, they were counter protesters. Yeah. Like, even just the way, yeah. and even that yeah, when it, like, if you're watching the news and you're watching stuff, even just looking at that mm. portrayal, it's like, can you not see how deeply rooted it? it don't, we don't need to get shot, and you don't need to get called the N word. It's in even that kind of report. Yeah. It's in yeah. the kind of reporting that it's like, look at this. This is what we're living in. This is what it's like. It's even that's what they don't understand. These guys yeah. came to London to beat. Up, they came. They came to London to beat up black people and that's lefties. Yeah. That's, that's the only true. reason they came to London, and because there's no football on. That's the only reason yeah, they, they came to London. To they came they into to London someone. to commit acts of violence. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and the way the press were like, black, you know, there was one bit of trouble at a Black Lives Matters protest, one in the UK, where that police officer ran in, rode into a lamppost 
um, and got knocked off a horse. Um, that, that time was, I think, the only time there was actual trouble. So for us to be in a situation where somehow you gathered whatever thousand group of football fans come to London, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. Um, and I was even shocked by there was that one dude, I don't know who he is, he keeps appearing at UKIP protest. He wears all the Union Jack stuff, that guy. He keeps turning up and he's like, he meets all these football fans like, yeah, it's good, They're all lives matter. And I'm like, bruv, come on, man. You can't, there's no, uh, fair enough if you believe that as a black person, but these guys are full on racist. They don't care about yeah. you. They but don't some, give a damn about you. Yeah. Why, are you, why are you even shaking hands with them? There are, there are a few black people who are like that and it's like, it's almost like they hate themselves, you know? It's, man. <sighs> it's, it, 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 you know what, Princess, it gets into that whole, it gets into the whole discussion about empire. Yeah. Because um, I've seen it. What you're talking about there, I've seen it, especially in certain generations. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've seen it in certain generations, that feeling about empire and their position in it and all the rest of it. But I'll tell you this much. I've, I'm like, my, I've grown up and I've seen, I grew up in Fulham and I always had a mix of people. I worked in central London, always had a mix of people. Mm-hmm. But, the, from the moment I realised I was black, I I, I was I, I noticed how differently I was being treated, and especially that whole shade. Like I'd have people that you know would come up to me and go, "Hey, um, you're not like other black people." I'm like what? <laughs> Excuse okay. me. Well, you're not yeah. hanging around at street corners. I'm like, what? I don't. I don't. How? How's what? Yeah. Um, you know, I went through that whole. Of that, I had some year sixes at school yesterday, talking to the one black girl mm. in year six and saying to her, "But I don't see you as black." And even that alone is like, so when you think of black, to, to that you think of yeah, I say black. You think of thugs black. You think of dangerous people black. What do you mean I don't see you as black? And mm. I have that myself as well growing up. What mm-hmm. that to you? It's the representation of what we see on the TV. And I think that's what mm-hmm. the problem with areas like mine. You might not meet someone black who mm. until you're 18, unless you are one of the lucky ones who manages to have the one black person in your class. Because your community's not black. Your schools mm. aren't black. Your teachers aren't black. No one around you is black. So you might not meet anyone till you're black when you're like 18 years old and you go to root uni and then you're going to say something racist. You're going to say something derogatory. You're going to say something prejudiced because mm-hmm. you've never met anybody and the only people, the only representation of black people being black that you've got is what you see on the TV. And we all know how we get portrayed on the TV. Mm. Uh-huh. So it's it's so deep <coughs> It just it, like it, we don't need shoot, shooting up in this country. <laughs> like yeah. it's mm. rooted into this country, just deeply. Yeah. yeah, very deep, very deep. Okay, so right, what do you think? Okay, we've we've run up to an hour. <laughs> Which I didn't expect us to do, but it shows how how joyous the conversation is. We're not quite an hour yet, so all right. I like to leave the audience with something positive as much as I can at the end. So, ladies, what do you think is the best thing that can happen now, moving forward, for Black Lives Matter? Um, I, you know, for you personally, what would be the best thing that happens next, taking into account everything that is happening in the states compared to happening here? 
and start with I guess let's let's start with Tony. We'll go. You always get Tony. You can go first. What, what do you think would be the best thing moving forward? Um, it's about consistency, isn't it? It's about it's about people in power doing something, and it's about um, <sighs> history needs to be taught. Actual history needs to be taught in schools. So history of slavery, history of empire, history of uh, why people, especially why the Victorians, decided to categorise people in different ethnic groups to make them less human. Right? So we need to we need to understand that why that was that, and that was fundamentally about slave trade, wasn't it? So that was if they weren't human, they weren't they didn't have the same equal rights. So you could do with they were basically livestock, and I don't think that's that's not really explained in school. And people have a concept of slavery, but it's not the actual concept of it. They don't seem to understand what that means, that being in bondage means means that you are not a human being, that you can try and live your life, but your life isn't your own. And if that can get taught in schools, then hopefully the next generation can, can get sort of educated and hopefully be more, li- well, I say liberal, but, but, you know, make informed choices. Um, so what we need is... Um, we need some kind of educational reform. We need uh, some kind of directive. So whether that's um, positive, I don't want to say positive discrimination because if you say that, you get shot, don't you? Um, we need some kind of reform to try and empower, um, for some reason, black black men, young black men who obviously aren't feeling like they can go on and achieve because there are boundaries of racism because they are stopped more by police because because they get less opportunities and probably taught less in school because they are um set aside um by by people in in education um so somehow we need to empower them to go forward and i'm not the best person to ask I haven't got a clue, mate. But I think, well, I think we that's why they're your first turn. Thanks, thanks, mate. Thanks. <laughs> that's all right. So don't worry, man. This isn't this isn't meant to be torture. Yeah. I ask questions for a reason and you're on the show for a reason and thank you. All right. Steph, what, what would be your moving forward, what would be the thing that you'd like to see? Um I think, like I was saying, education. We need to start from there. We need to teach. And I think before we teach about slavery, we need to teach about the country that Africa was. Mm. Because we go into school, you learn that you're a slave, the end. Go and be whatever you want, but you're a slave. Whereas everyone else gets to come from a rich history of politicians and kings and queens and noble men and women. We come from slavery and that's what you're going to get. I think we need to start, we need to teach about Africa before <coughs> and... Um, yeah, where we came from in the first place. I think as a country, like Tony said, we need to break through that layer. We need to start standing up. All of us, black, white, whatever, all of us who have suppressed all those feelings, we need to start speaking them out and letting that be known and pulling people up, whatever race you are, as soon as you hear something. And like I read something today about schooling, where it's like black children go into school as overachievers at five or six and then they come out at the end of school as the mm. lowest getting the lowest grades because there is no interest mm. in school for us there is nothing for us to to grab inspiration from to and to run with it like not not, not mm. a lot more in our media now for younger for children to look at because yeah. they're a lot more diverse but in terms of school and the education that you're learning there is nothing for 
ethnic children in general to pull inspiration from mm. to help push them to the next level, the next level, the next level. And I think it needs to start from education and then us lot breaking that layer so that we can teach our children, so that our children can teach their children. And hopefully mm. by that level, we're all honest about our country's, the world's history, and we can honestly talk about it. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's me, I think. Okay, and Princess, moving forward. <coughs> Sorry, I got a bit of a cough. <coughs> Not <crying. laughs> um, Yeah, Welcome so I, I, yeah, I fully agree with what um, both Tony and Steph are saying. It starts with education first because the children, as corny as it sounds, they are our future. And it begins with them. And, you know, there's so much history they can that can be taught with black history within Britain, what black people in Britain, historical figures that they have done. We don't get taught about that. It's only about civil rights movement and slavery. Okay. And that's it. Okay. And, you know, there's so much that happened. There was riots in um, the early 1900s. There was the, the first black man to vote in England was in the 1700s. Mm. People think that black people weren't around during Tudor times, and they were. Yes, even that alone. They were. Yeah. Exactly. So when we're learning about the Tudor period, we don't learn about there were actually black people living there within society then. Mm -hmm. And this man who, you know, who went on to vote, you know, first black man to vote, you know, he was called the extraordinary, extraordinary Negro. That's what his name was, because he was rich. But we don't tell, we don't, no one gets taught, we don't get taught this because we are taught that we are, it's like mm. the children are mentally, you're supposed to be enslaved as a child. It's like enslavement through the mind. Mm. And um, you carry on thinking, mm. I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm a slave. I'm, and it carries on. So unless we have to teach children that, you know, it wasn't just that. And, you know, there was something past the Windrush area. Black people wasn't just a random thing that turned up one time. You guys brought us here at one point. Yeah, cool. But we were also here before. And um, it, it has to has to be learned in schools because kids, they don't know anything. They don't know. They're just getting taught what the teacher is saying. And then in terms, and also going on from that, we need to, workplaces and companies need to start hiring more black people in higher positions. And so we're not, you know, make it inclusive, not just, oh, this ticker box, we need a black or an Indian person to come on here. That's, no, it has to be, if someone's, if we're qualified for the job, why can't we get it? And I've seen through my own work experience, seeing people who are qualified to do a higher role, but have never got the role, never. And they have been black. And I think it takes companies realizing that there's a problem there. They need to sort that. And the tele, and like television and things like that. And until we are represented in any kind of way in, in favorable light, things are not going to change. But if we do that, these little changes, it only takes little steps. It's going to take years. And I don't think it's going to be in our generation or in our kids' generation. Hopefully, maybe our kids or their kids. But we have to start taking these little steps now to create a better world where children don't have to feel that they are different because of the colour of their skin. They need to, you know, then they're judged by their skin when really we should all just be judged by our character. So, um... I think if we start making these little changes in education, in the workplace, on telly, even if it's just small little changes now, it will, it will help. And even investing in black, um, 
black organizations and what they're trying to do. Like for me personally, I've my what I've been doing is I've been buying everything black, buying everything I can from black businesses mm. to support us. Do you know what I mean? Because and getting the word out that there are companies out there that are black owned, but you can anyone can buy their product. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So um yeah, mm. that's that's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Like, like, um, guys, thank you for coming on. I, I think if I if I say, look for me. Sorry, Curtis. Um, one growing up and all the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Curtis. Can I say one more thing? It's a quick thing. Um, one thing I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. If you have any listeners which are black, um, just want them to know if they are dealing with the feeling quite low and it's affecting their mental health during this time of what's going on which it has been for a lot of us um there is um on blackmindsmatter.uk they are actually offering free help uh, free help from black therapists to help people through this time so i didn't i just only heard of this now that they're doing this so i just thought pass the message on but yeah that's all right we'll, we'll put a link on the uh, podcast as well so people can um, link to that as well but thank you for letting us know about that as someone who studied history um the 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 fight for equality has been one that's been going on for a very long, long time and one of the biggest battles i always have is mm-hmm. trying to explain to people why the transatlantic slave trade was such a distinctive thing um and why it was actually you know as a descendant of slaves it was a process of people fighting for their freedom and that freedom being taken away from them a lot whether it was um haiti whether it was america or whether it was um in various british colonies and the positive for me is that i'm i'm you know my people never gave up and a lot of people never gave up no matter what they did to them um no matter how much they tried to humiliate them and dehumanize them and I, I think the one thing that they seem to do in the States a lot more than they do here, and I do hope people start doing, is listening. A lot of people have told me that they're listening. A lot of organisations have said they're listening. Um, but it's clear there are a lot of people who don't. And for me, in my life, apart from um, uh, falling in love, I think learning about racism is one of the... Two, like that, that was a trauma of no other. Because... You, you, it makes no sense. Yeah. And for too long, um, African Caribbean people and black people have been left to micromanage racism and its effects. Uh-huh. And I think that's not just unfair. It's just like if all it takes is for people to listen, to start changing stuff, I do hope people start doing it because that's trauma. I don't have kids and I really don't like the idea of having kids because I don't want to have to explain it to them. I really don't want to have to break their hearts and explain to them how horrible that is as a thing to experience. Um, you know, and and like I grew up when things like Roots were popular shows and my God, if I have kids, I'm never showing them Roots because that show traumatised me even more um, for a long time. And I, I'll, I'll just say, look, I hope people listen because it is about listening. It is about understanding because black people want to grow too. Okay. We don't want to have to spend our time on people's inability to understand um, our need for freedom and equality. And I do hope people listen. I do hope young people, people don't stop protesting. 
I do hope people don't stop thinking that this is over. And I do hope that morons who fly a plane saying white lives matter get fired every single time. Because you have to be the paramount of stupid to think that was appropriate or fair or nice. And it just goes yeah. to show that actually the black people aren't the problem. It's y'all. So are you racists out there and you need to get over yourself. So I hope, I hope this carries on because I've never seen anything like it. And I'm 44, I'm 45 this year. And like I said, never, I've Ooh. never seen anything like it. Never. And it fills me with so much positivity. But like I said, I do worry. So ladies and gentlemen, this was another episode of the Global Frequency. Thank you for following us, guys. Um, thank you for the feedback y'all giving so far. Please keep giving, giving back feedback. Ladies, I hope you'll come to another show um, and join us again. Um, yeah. You'll be fantastic. Well, if, you have, if you have us, Curtis, if you have us. If you have us, you take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies, please, you're more than welcome to come back onto the Global Frequency. Um, Addy, I hope you'll be able to join us on, on a talking level next time as well. Our audience of one, live audience. That's a very special place to be, Addy, down there. And TC, champion, thank you again for being here. I know, again, I'm asking a lot for people to come in. It's a bit of a lion's den here and I'm asking a lot, but you listened and you talked and you, and you understood and that's appreciated very much. And um, you should continue doing what you're doing, Curtis. Well done. Fan. <laughs> yeah, Thank you for joining us. We'll keep going. As you know, once lockdown's over, things might be a bit more difficult, but hey, the global frequency will be here as much as we can. Guys, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, have a nice night. See ya. See you later. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of that ever-loving Global Frequency. We've had a lovely couple of weeks. It's been locked down. It's been difficult. I know it's been difficult, but we're here every week now at the moment to bring you some challenging thoughts and ideas. I've seen a lot happen over the past couple of months I never thought I would see happen. And this week's been no different from any other previous week. The lockdown is coming to an end, which was unexpected, as the government said it would follow scientific advice, but is now ignoring it to suit the assumption, to suit the assumption that people won't follow. Um, and Black Lives Matters arrived in the UK. It's been here for a while, but it arrived in a really big way over the past couple of weeks. But some people still don't get, seem to get it, and some people are outright hostile to it. Here to discuss this, and hopefully more issues with me today are my fellow guests uh, with their own individual voices and views on the matter. I have the lovely princess. Hi. <laughs> I've got the amazing Stephanie. Hello. A gloriously handsome Antonio with the little shiny head there. How you doing, buddy? You all right? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. And we do have an audience, believe it or not. <laughs> at the moment, there are there are some people staying quiet, but they are here, and they may speak up at some point. The lovely Addy, here, an audience of one, but an important audience, nevertheless. Mm -hmm. now, guys, thank you for joining me. It's been an amazing, just an amazing couple of weeks uh, on on a national level, and for me on a personal level. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen things that I never thought I would see. Um, I've experienced things I never thought I would experience. Um, but one thing stays the same. People do stupid things and annoying things, which is why I'm able to have this show in its own way. Now, on tonight's show, we will be discussing... <coughs> but I figured I'd start with a thing that's affected us, I think, the most over the past four or so months. 
COVID. Now, the government handling of this issue seems to vary depending on what your point of view is. My personal point of view of this is that considering we had the highest death rate and infection rate in the world at one point, and it's, I think the only country beating us is Brazil, who's led by a man who can only be described as worse than Trump. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If you look at <laughs> the dictionary under imbecile, you'll find his picture. He's um, terrible. Considering we're only just behind Brazil, and maybe not too far away from the States in terms of what's happened. What do you guys think of the, the government handling this entire situation? If I go to Princess, how do you, do you feel confident in what the government's done? Because I'm just looking at it and going, this, this is madness. No, I, I, I'm not very confident what they've done. I don't think they have, they don't have a clue what they're doing. And I don't think they, they've never had a clue. And, um, my fear is, is that they're going to release everything, which is very obvious that they're letting things open now and telling people to lessen that their distance, that whole one metre thing. All of that, all the opening up, all the things are going to be opening. It's just going to, it's just for um, economic reasons. It's just so that they can get, make some more money, get some revenue mm-hmm. in. It's got nothing to do about people trying to protect the people who live here. Um, to them, I just feel like, they just feel what's a couple thousand people dying compared to they need the money. I don't think they don't really care. And I think it's, I think it's going to be, it's definitely going to end up with another outbreak. I think, you know, just, that's just me. I agree with you there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 it's not easy. To, it's not easy to talk about. And I think for me personally, I, I, it's not easy because I haven't seen my family for weeks. Um, exactly. I keep hearing stories about people who've passed away. Um, mm. And it just seems to be like the government were too late with everything. Their responses seem to run off of Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Steph? Am I, am I being too brutal with the government? Or, or No, or, definitely. Um, for me, COVID's a personal thing because I actually lost my granddad to it at the beginning um, in April. And I remember when it first happened, because I work in a school as well. And I remember when it first happened and we mm. had so many sick children. And I remember myself and my teacher talking about it about three weeks before and just thinking, we need to shut. We need to shut. We need to shut. When is this going to happen? Mm. Before. Um, and we sort of knew it was going to be that they would close it. So it sort of looked like we only had to, because it was two weeks away from Easter holidays. So it was like they were trying to make it so that everything was, I guess, the least, not dramatic, but we should have just done it earlier. They were trying to keep everything till the last minute, mm-hmm. Every, like as if they're keeping everything open, like in school's terms as well, till the last minute. And um, yeah, the way they dealt with it and the way, like my experience with it and how, obviously, like I said, my granddad passed away and dealing with the hospitals during that time. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. Obviously, the NHS done very well, but for me at the time, it was um, yeah, it was hard as well because a lot of time they wouldn't wasn't giving us the information, and all they could say is, "Well, as you as you know, we are busy," and of course we do know that. But mm. uh, yeah, and I think the way that the government has dealt with it has been a very blasé. How I said, you know, some of you may lose one loved ones. Oh well, this is how we're gonna do that it. That was his first um, speech I, on the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember yeah. when he said that. I was literally like, "What are you saying? You yeah. bumbling fool!" Yeah. How can you just regard people as like it's nothing? Oh yeah, you know, 
we will lose many people. It's like, yeah, I think people's lives, lives, not numbers. When he was in hospital, oof, I think our lockdown would have gone. Mm-hmm. If he'd passed, if he'd like passed away yeah. from it, I think our country would have been like, yo. If Boris has passed from it, now we're going to put this look down to a next level because we've lost one of our people. Not just one of you lot, not just one of you little, mm. the rest of the people who contribute and actually do all the work to make this country run. But if one of our people pass from it, then boy, we need to shut sh- things down. Mm. Um, so yeah. Before I say, before I say what I'm going to say, first of all, condolences on your on your your, your relative there, because at the end of the day, you did you get to was it a, a situation that was described by the press, so you couldn't see them, or was it at a point where? Luckily, we did get to see him. Um, about we saw him about seven hours before he passed, but we had to be in full. Um, mm protective gear like mask everything um so yeah we were very lucky that we was one of the people who did get to see him um and it was all old old Mm. people on the ward as well about five five of them five six of them i'm not sure what happened to the other patients but yeah it was all old people now at the beginning when it first came out it was like this is like a survival of the fittest thing this virus has come and it Mm. is just wiping people and if you've got any insecurities well, in your this. body, that's it. So, yeah. Well, I was saying this to people who kept going about the amount of people dying in Italy. Now, they kept people kept going, it's because they were old people. And I kept saying this, it's not because they were old people, it's because they didn't have the resources to treat people full stop. Mm. And the doctors were left going, who am I going to give the ventilator to? Who am I going to give the medication to? Yeah. It wasn't because these people were old. And, yeah. and this is the thing that seemed, and this is why I think people didn't take it seriously over here because the press kept saying that. Yeah. Um, and there were plenty of young people, like even people that survived who were young, the damage it done to their bodies, and we're talking lung damage, we're talking like ma- losing body mass, we're talking yeah. losing like a lot of stuff, but yet the press kept playing out. They said, it was, if you're older, you're more like it. They literally stopped helping old people in Italy at one point. Yeah, and they didn't did. have enough resources, I and was, I think that played into the hand of the message over here. They definitely played it off like a, oh, you know, we're not going to lock down as quickly as some of the other places, and oh, it's mainly a thing that's getting old people, mm. and it was just all very like, no, 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 it's not really that. But even that, even saying, even saying in that, oh, only old people and um, people with underlying medical conditions. It's like they're still people. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, it's fine because yeah. it's just them. And what and, if you don't know? Yeah. And what if you don't know? What if you don't know if you've got underlying medical conditions? Um, Antonio, if I could bring you in on this as well. I mean, how do you, because you've got kids um, and you've got, you, you know, you've got older uh, relatives as well in Spain. Yeah. How did you see the government's approach over here compared to well, somewhere like Spain? Because my mum was in well, because my mum was in Spain, we were seeing it unfold there. And I was with another Spanish guy. His dad's in Madrid um, with his mum and his aunts, and they're all in their 70s. So we were seeing shit go down there, and we were watching what was going here, what was happening here, and nothing was happening. Mm. So it was like three, four weeks before we even got to a stage where we were thinking about locking down or anything. We had a prime minister who went around and admitted in a briefing, saying that he he like went to a hospital, shut COVID patient, you know, COVID... Uh, patient's hands, he shook everybody's hands. Lo and behold, he gets it two weeks later. The, the reason this country is not taking it seriously is because mm. we don't have a serious government. 
we got we got a pile of jokers mm. in the house, and that's, that's all they can do. They, they don't under they literally that for some reason Boris Johnson and the rest of them thought they could just you know we're British we'll go for it that's not, not going to affect us we'll affect the the Chinese the Italians and the Spanish uh, but we'll be fine. I, I think they went into a state of psychosis. Now bear with me, right? While I explain this, okay? When the Tories got elected in December, they literally thought that they had free run to do whatever they wanted to and nothing would stop them, right? Now, if you remember in the lead up to January and even up to the middle of January, their main message was what? Made the country more hostile to foreigners, uh, Brexit, and um, getting rid of uh, um, stopping asylum seekers or immigrants coming through um, or and getting people more, what was their phrase? Um, more qualified um, people over into the country. That yeah. was their only, one and only message up until January. Then, well, because, then they had to start looking at going into lockdown. Can and I say you're forgetting do. that they were trying to what raise money to get Big Ben to Gong. That was the main priority, to get to get the bongs. Yeah. Other, other countries were talking about getting scored in PPE. They started talking about how to set up track and trace, like Germany. We were trying to raise money for Big Ben to bong at, at the day Britain left the EU. That's all we would do. Yeah. Well, that's that's was going on it's, it's like, I think it, COVID caught them out so badly that they didn't know what to do. And the second Boris went ill, you didn't see anybody in government. You saw nobody. I think Rob was... There's at least 30 people, like 20 to 30 people in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Do you know who any of them are? Apart from Pretty Patel who keeps saying stupidness. And Boris and Rob and that Weasley looking dude whose name I always forget. I forget his <laughs> Nobody knows who Michael these people Gove. are. All of them disappeared, right? Michael Gove, that's it. All of them, all of them disappeared like they never existed, like ghosts, yeah. Mm-hmm. And my whole issue with this is every single thing they've done seems to be happening late. And even when they came up with their Nando's, their five, was it five? Stages oh, no, of dealing with COVID, the Nando sign, yeah, lemon yeah. herb. People were dying, right? And for some reason, this government sort of went into free fall the second, even before Boris was done, because they had no policies to deal with this. Because mm-hmm. everything they've done so far up until that point, like um, they left the various organisations to deal with this type of thing. They knew that the um, the PPE system for dealing with uh, crisis was underfunded because they yeah. tested it in 2015 and they said if there is a virus we can't deal with it and it's just one of those things I don't get why the government still has as much support as they seem to have and mm. I do hope people are waking up to this sideshow bob of the government people are suffering 30 cases we didn't shut till two over two and a half thousand cases so it was only mm. when we got to two and a half thousand cases did we then shut. So I remember on the Friday when it first started and we was looking, me and my teacher, and we were like, it's that like, think about this time, about, about 400. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's going to be like mm. a thousand by Monday. And I think it was a thousand by like Saturday night. Wow. Saturday and then it I was that. My mum's island, my mum's island in, um, my mum's island in Grenada, they shut down after two cases. That was it. Everything got shut down after two. They yeah. weren't messing yeah. around out there. And, and this, this government, this government yeah. just doesn't seem... Well, they were, look, the but second they had any cases over there, they uh-huh. shut it down and they, they, they put people in 
in um, quarantine. They weren't messing around because they couldn't yeah. afford to. They couldn't yeah. afford to. And it just seems to be the government, the government saw this as an opportunity as opposed to, like, they were approaching it like we'd already been beat, but the virus had already destroyed everything. And so they were getting their speech. Boris's speeches were like, yeah, people are going to die. But if we're, if we're strong, um, those of us that are left... Um, will be will be that bit stronger, and I reckon they've done themselves slightly irreparable damage in the fact that their voter base is pensioners for the most part, mm-hmm. and then pensioners are like, well, you you already slipped, Mildred dying, and I hope people uh, 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 have our eyes opened up to that because I don't know, Boris just seems to be Teflon, nothing yeah. seems to harm him, nothing, nobody seems to really go, what is he actually doing? You don't comb his hair. And also, what is he actually hands? saying? Because he never says something. He doesn't really actually say anything. Yeah. And it's, even, I remember before mm. when they said, oh, no, face masks, are, they're not necessary. They're not going to stop you from getting the virus. Okay, yeah, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you must wear a face mask when you travel on buses and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, hold on, how, what about that it wasn't necessary? So you just let these little things go mm. by. And let people just go around because no one ain't gonna. British public, a lot of the general British public are not gonna just go. Oh well, I don't feel well. I'm gonna stay at home. There are people out there who be like, I don't care. I need to go to shops, mm. and they're still gonna go to the yeah. shop. Yeah, so well, I need to go and work. What you do is encourage something like that, regardless if it doesn't. It's not really a big thing in stopping the virus, but whatever you can do possible mm. from spreading it, instead I, of just letting people yeah. run riot. It's the, it's the old adage, isn't it? Better safe than sorry. So yeah. even if it didn't work, at least you were trying. Yeah. You know, he goes, we've tried this. It's not working, unfortunately, so we can scrap that. We didn't even try it. No, no, we know that. It's all right. But what got me what, what got me the most is that even up until last week, well, even now, um, people were travelling from hotspots um, and arriving unwell, by the way. yeah. Now, in Hong Kong and China, you arrived unwell, you're straight into quarantine. Well, I'll go and stay at my house. No, 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 you're coming with us. You're going into, you're coming here for quarantine. Mm-hmm. In the UK, they were just handing out forms. A guy <laughs> literally arrived off the plane unwell and they handed him a form going, you have to quarantine yourself. Wow. But yet, most of the online British public are manned at Sadiq Khan. Right, no, so. They're not going to bother. No one's going to listen. I, even that slogan change, oh. we're going from stay at home to stay alert. Like I remember saw something on Twitter where it was mm. like, I was out in the park and I saw COVID coming, but I jumped behind a tree because I was staying alert. How can you stay alert from a virus? Mm. Like, so ridiculous. It's, it's just to stay alert. I, from I, again, what? Yeah, what? I'm not a conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think this is all about the I government am. being able to not take responsibility for its actions yeah. and yeah. say to you that if you now get COVID, it's your fault. Yes. So it's about, and and, and a lot of the British public are playing into it by um, acting like Boris is like, like I said, Teflon Don in the States, acting like the man can do no wrong, like his church or reborn. And I'm like, Mm. you know what? That's fine. If you want to have that fantasy, that's that's good. You go ahead and have that. But the man needs to be held to account. He's been made to look like an idiot nearly every week since, because um, I don't know if you know, but Parliament, none of the MPs are there, right? There's hardly any there. So all it is is Kerr Stammer standing up, which I'm, don't get me wrong, Labour's not in my good books either, but Kerr Stammer stands up and asks Boris questions. And because Boris doesn't have all those Tory boys behind him going, rrr, 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 
you know, because he don't papers, have papers. Mads can make you like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, anyway, I don't, when you study history, that shit is painful to watch. But I think at the end of the day, Boris, I don't know if this is going to mean that, because um, the next election doesn't have to be for four years. I don't know if he's going to damage Boris in the long term, because I remember when Boris was mayor of London and he pretty much did the same crap. Right, was, London was burning. Man, my man didn't even want to come back off holiday to deal with it. He was sleeping around. He, he cost London God knows how much money. 54 million on the bridge. Um, with, uh, first of all, swapping out for the... Yep, and then the buses. Don't forget that. He brought in those old... like Because the Bendy buses, which I have to say, they broke down now and again. But compared to old buses, they were doing fine. And they allowed disabled people to travel properly in London and not have to fight with women with prams, which may not seem like a big deal to me and you, but if you're in a wheelchair, those it's forest buses deal. are not good for you. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's a big, big deal. He cost mm. London, that was the most expensive transport project up until the amount he cost us on Boris bikes. So Boris seems to be able to do anything, get away with it. And even now people are like, I'll go to Sadiq Khan, right? There's four people I know get abused a lot online. One of them is Sadiq Khan. Man, doesn't matter what he says, people are like, it's your fault. Mm. Two, um, Diane Abbott, um, and I've forgotten her name. She You'll gets have to excuse it me. There's a lady who does a chat show a on lot. Channel 5. Yeah, right? That no matter what they do, people will blame them for it and abuse them online. And I'm like, and I think part of, you know, even Corbyn, his missus was Spanish, I think. He, I reckon that's one of the reasons they gave him such a hard time. Um, the, the people online are just nasty and I think I, I don't think people are going to hold Boris to account I really don't think they will I think they treat him like Dennis the Menace like he's a naughty little boy um, at the moment and they're like oh, I don't know but he's trying he looks like Churchill he's, he's the best Prime Minister ever I'm like really? How's, how is he the best? Like, what's your scale for measurement here? Terrible oh, I reckon I could go well, down the pub fair, and have mate. a drink with him you, you could go to down fair, and have a drink David in a pub with a man who doesn't even know what the name of his shampoo is. Those are not is. good people. Yeah. <laughs> True, but you know what I'll give Theresa May at least a bit of credit for, yeah? She only ever did it once and she never did it again after that. But the day she got elected to Prime Minister by the party, she came out in front of them and she went, we got problems. we clearly got problems. Why young black men ended up in prison more statistically than white men? That's the only time she ever done that, yeah? And the only time anybody in the Tory party's even come close to mentioning that type of stuff, that there could be a problem with our legal system and the way we treat black men in this country, right? But that's the only time I'm going to give her credit. Because after that, especially as we saw with Greenfield... Oh, and you're mess. forgetting. You're yeah. forgetting, Chris. Her dance moves got a crew credit for that. She's a very good dancer. <laughs> got the moves. That's true. <laughs> Credit where credit is. (laughs) She tried, which is more than most of the Tory party. Because there's something about uh, somebody pointed out to me as I saw the conservatives and the conservative voters in America. Something happens to them when you become as conservative. You can't. It's not even about being white or black. It's something about being conservative, which means you can't dance. Like you literally can't. Yeah. It's just in the name. But anyway. I think what happens is they, they take the soul much. out of your body. Yeah. So when you sign up, they just remove your soul and then you can't dance. 
I don't know. I think they just stick a put a stick up their ass because, quite honestly, Probably. that's some of the worst. I've I've been I've been to clubs like I do door work and I've seen what the conservative like those type of people are like and they, yeah they can't dance man They're, dancing is not a strong point for them but hey what can you do right guys so moving on okay um, Black Lives Matter okay it's it's. I never thought I'd live to see the day right where I see things that are happening in the states are happening the way they are in the states okay now I'm not saying tomorrow we're going to end up with a perfect world because quite honestly there's enough evil out there in this world, that it's going to take more than a generation or two, right? Mm-hmm. But for once, we have this organisation going, we just want to make a world a better place, right? That's all they're saying. We want to make it a better place for everybody, right? And the way to do that is to make sure that these people aren't all being discriminated against anymore, right? That's the message. That's what I'm getting from the message. We just want to make it a better place, okay? Because for too long, a certain group has been treated horrendously, not badly, not like, they, you, you, your, your cousin you don't like, but actually like horribly and badly, okay? That's what I got from the message. I also got a very strong message of hope in the way that um, companies in the States were like, you know what, we're going to start investing. We're going to stop. We're going to look at our policies. We're going to look at our products. We're going to look at how we're functioning. Even the writer of Friends, who if you ever watch, I never, I was never into Friends, okay? Because I have a simple rule. There's got to be less one black person in the show. I don't care if they're a sidekick or whatever. They're just, just something there to let me know that there's some, something going on. Friends didn't have anybody black in it until the last season when, um, what was his name? I forgot his name. So again, I didn't watch it. But Ross got a, got a black girlfriend. And there was crying. also a very short, short um, bit where they had Gabrielle Union in it. Very small. Very really? small part. Yeah. yeah. But there you go. <laughs> that's well, right. for me. That's the message I got short. from it. I, I only know that because I rewatched it like last mm. year or something like that. I'm tempted to watch it because, like I said, uh, the episodes, I, when I did watch episodes, I did enjoy it. Okay, but again, for somewhere set in New York, I know New York is quite a diverse city. And for them not to have not even to have black mates, I was like, mm, no, no, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. I can't really get into this show, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I grew up with Cosby Show, um no, it was different strokes, I think it was over here was, was the first one with black folks in it, comedy show. Then I had um a different world, Cosby Show. We had a lot of shows which were quite diverse. So Friends was a bit like, all oh, right, okay. Gone back a bit here. You've got NASCAR, they're banning Confederate flight flags. You've got um, the head of Reddit quitting the board and going give it to a black person. You had Briber Streisand give shares to the daughter of George Floyd for Disney. Mm. Um, and then Black Lives Matter rising in the UK. All right. Now bring me from back from the edge if I'm wrong here. Okay. But it arrives in the UK, right? There's a few protests. People come out. They're like, we want change. There's lots of white people there as they were in the States as well. Okay. There's hardly any trouble. There was a bit of trouble, I think, two weeks ago, but it was like a very small group of people that were involved in that trouble. In the two weeks since then, for some reason, the British, a small, I keep, people keep telling me it's a small selection of them, but a group of British people seem to have started a campaign against 
Black Lives Matter. Now, I've been saying for years that the UK <coughs> are home to some of the most, the biggest um, and most popular racists in the world, whether they're Tommy Robinson, Katie Hopkins, a guy called Paul Joseph Watson, who, if you don't know, don't worry, but that's his name and he's out there. And I think we've got some of the, the biggest conservative commentators. There was a, um, a gay guy um, who was really popular with him up until a couple of years ago as well, but was always famous for being really conservative and also really racist. He started a campaign against, um, you'll have to excuse me for forgetting names, but the lady who was in Ghostbusters, the all-female version of Ghostbusters, mm. she had a massive, horrible <laughs> campaign that he started against her as well. But it's come to the UK and you seem to have a cam actual physical campaign started against Black Lives Matter to the point that last, the previous weekend, you had these supposed football fans who had to protect statues turn up. And then this week at the Burnley football match, you had a, a banner being flown over the, um, over the stadium during the match. Now... Yeah, and it was it was Burnley versus Man City, I think it was. D am I wrong? I get the feeling that a lot of British people either just don't get it or they don't like at all in a way that even the, Amer the Americans are having a conversation, yeah? Not all of them, but they're having a conversation. We don't seem to be having a conversation over here so much. A few companies jumped on the bandwagon like ITV, Good morning, like those type of stations, uh, Radio Free, all the rest of it started saying we're standing with our black colleagues. Mm. But there seems to be one, a backlash against this, and two, an organized campaign. Because um, nobody mentioned statues before last week when protests are on. Nobody mentioned statues. And every time there's been a protest, somebody's done something to the church or statue. But yeah, all of a sudden, it's all about protecting statues. All of a sudden, like 2,000 grown-ass men turn up in my city from up north and all over the place, sharing and screaming about how we like being racists. Am I wrong in thinking that this, there's something... In, like, what is going on? Do they just not get it? Or is, it, is, it, is, it, is Black Lives Matter like a catalyst for something else? Are they, using it, are they just using it as an excuse? Or, or is something else going on? Because I don't understand how that even happened. I don't get how they turned up in my city. I don't get how, why they were so angry at Black Lives Matter. And I don't get why they don't seem to understand what it is. Um, the, their biggest complaint seems to be that the UK isn't the US. Um, I don't even get what that means. Uh, Racism is a powerful thing. It's all over the place. And even, like I said, Tony's experienced it. I have. Princess, how do you... Let me, let me bring you guys in now. Princess, how do you feel about it? How, am I wrong? Am I seeing... Am I being too paranoid? Because it, it concerns me, because... One, black people have got a lot of growing to do. Okay, we've got a lot of learning to do. We want to get on with... We want to be able to get up and have a good day as well. But the the sort of intransigence, the, the, just the sloppiness of the right in this country seems to want to stop that from happening. So how do you feel about that? Do you feel positive about Black Lives Matter? You might not do. Um, do, you, do you, how do you feel about how it's happened in the UK? Um, I think my major concern is, like, obviously, anything that's for black people, I'm always going to be 100% for it. 
regardless. Like, I'm, if it's for us, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be supportive of it. However, I worry that it's a trend and people like to jump on the bank. Like those who say that they are, oh, yeah, I stand with you, but it's just a trend. Have you noticed, sort of like this week, no one's really been talking about it anymore. It's like, it's just like, okay, move on. Do you know what I mean? We, you had your, your five minutes to talk about this and now we can move on. We, we, all, yeah. we all said that we get it, but you don't really get it because you're still not, you know, supporting the movement and making the changes that need to be made, you know, in, in all mm-hmm. aspects, whether it's in the workplace, education-wise, things need to change um, for us to actually see progress in this country. And I think all those people who say, you know, who say this isn't, that we're not the US over here. It's not that they don't understand, they just don't care. Don't care, okay? It doesn't affect them. They don't yeah, understand. Yeah, I, I get that feeling. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect anyone that they know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I go to my friend up the road and he's... A, no, you still don't get it. You still haven't experienced it. So for you, it does not affect you. So you will never understand. Do you get me? They won't ever understand. And um, mm. playing off the fact that, oh, but we was all okay. Like, even with things like now, you know, people looking at programs from, um, like, Little Britain and things that they were doing there, a lot of blackface characters that they were doing. And they're going, oh, I don't understand why everyone's getting upset now when no one cared. No, we did care, but no one was listening. Mm. If you're living in a place mm. where no matter what you say people try to shut your mouth because you're pulling the race card, you just get silenced. It's just that this time, because we're in lockdown, everyone's at home, you have to receive them information and you have to feel it. No one can go out and be distracted. So this time it feels more powerful because we're like, yeah, I ain't having it anymore. I'm not having it. But um, in general, when people say to me, it's not, not like the US, I can't stand that saying. Do not ever say that saying to me. My heart's beating really fast now because I'm getting really angry. So I'm going to calm down a second and, uh, and I'll come back in a minute. No, no, no. You can, let, you can let it rip. It's a phrase I keep seeing online a lot. Um, it's, it's a phrase of ignorance. And it's... I, I, like, yeah, I guess... I don't know if you guys seen. I have a particular ways of dealing with trolls and people like that online. Um, I change it up now every now and again. Because I'm just like, I can't... I know you shouldn't engage with them, but at the same time, I'm just like, I can't let it go that they're being ignorant online and mm-hmm. let them get away with it. So what I used to do, actually, I'll come to that in a second. 